so many of our songs are looked at, prayed over, and declare the glory of God and, and brings out and works in that faith in our lives that God has given us into that, that controlling center of our life. And that's important, that faith reaches that control center of our life. Our hearts might be a good way to say that. So we're going to look now at the Word of God in, in, in Scripture. And um, we're going to look at um, John chapter 20. And I, I look back at my sermon the last time I preached here. And uh, I know now why Pastor Tom's writing the page number of the Bible out. I, I was saying 960. And the passage that I was reading was not on 960, it was 906. So now, let's get that corrected, and we'll see if we can scratch that from the tapes. Actually, we can't. That is a, a given, right? But th today we're going to come back and look at this. The last two times that I preached, we did look at this passage of John chapter 20. And uh, we... Um, looked at verses 19 through 23. And this morning our scripture read was uh, focused on verses 24 through 29. A second meeting with the disciples. And so we, if you would like the Pew Bible 906, I'm making sure I say it right. I, I said it the wrong way. Of course, it's not as bad as a friend I had one time that, that preached uh, a... a, a uh, a whole Bible series or, or, or message on the radio of uh, Moses in uh, the um, Moses in the Ark. So you know he and so and he lived in a little country town, and so when you know everybody, hey hey brother, how's <laughs> we enjoyed the the message about Moses in the Ark. So you know it, it could be worse, I guess. But the last two times we did, we looked at these verses, and they really impacted my life. In our, um, our Sunday morning Bible study groups that meet, there's a group for each one of us uh, here this morning in this audience. I invite you to come at 9.15. Uh, we study the Bible in a smaller group setting, and it is a powerful influence. It's another means by which that faith that God has given us seeps into our life and, and, and into that control center. And even more important than that, or as important, I don't think more important, but as important than that is to have an informed faith, a correctly informed faith. Some people have faith that's not correctly informed, whether it be about God or about faith in existence, faith in the universe. Anyway, you know, faith in itself is, can be wrong and uninformed or incorrectly informed. So it's great and it's important as a ministry of our church to inform. And I praise God for the pastors, the preachers that we have and our Bible teachers and, and all that participate in that extra ministry of the church to give us an informed faith 
through God's Word, knowing, studying God's Word. And then, as, as God's Word said in what, in, in Isaiah 55, 11, it becomes like rain that falls down His Word, that how rain soaks into the ground and accomplishes all uh, the, the many things we see and enjoy. God's Word is like that. When I, that informed faith, informed through God's Word. Listen, that is the source. The Holy Spirit taking God's Word, informing our faith, as it does, it soaks into our life, into that control center of our life, and it bears fruits. It bears fruit. Fruits that is visible to us in the body of Christ, but also the world around us. So, we're going back to this passage. Uh, we've been studying it. We had studied it in our small group, and it really impacted my life. And so, I want to go back to it now. And really, the focus of it today is going to be a little bit different as we, we think about the, the, the power of God using our testimony, the testimony of His followers, as the message, as the means by which the gospel would be spread. Now, this really, this really impacted me, and we're, we'll, I'll mention it again, but that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of redemption, would be spread throughout the world, but not only geographically. Now, think about the 12 disciples here in this, and, and the, the, the 10 disciples, we're going to say that here's this, and the others that were gathered in that room, and just that commission later, go ye therefore in, into the, into the, um, to the, to bear the gospel out to the beginning in Jerusalem, and then uh, Judea, and then to the whole world. But that world, think about that. They couldn't grasp it at the moment, how big their testimonies would be. What did they think about when Jesus said, all right, think, I mean, going back now, let's click back, going to that uh, first century uh, group of people hearing uh, the, the, the Great Commission and what we're going to read today. Who, what did they think of when they said, you will take the message into the whole world? What was their world? Very little, right? I mean, some of it was, some of them haven't traveled more than 50 miles, maybe 25 walking. Their world, their concept of the world was, a Roman world was down there and they're now oppressing them, but it was limited, okay? Surely not near what the world became as time. But Jesus was not only talking about the power of God to bring the testimony of the resurrected Lord to a geographical setting, but this blew my mind when I began thinking, but a, a linear time setting. He was saying to his followers, ten disciples we'll see in just a minute, and others together in that room, you, you, your testimony will be the means by which the gospel is spread to the world geographically, greater than you can ever imagine. But not, that, not only that, but to a future you can't see or understand. That, that testimony that begins now with you, and then will be passed on, will be passed on, even to those who have not seen, will believe, and lives will be changed. That's a powerful thing. So we looked at 
these ver- some of these verses, passages uh, in our last times together. And um, we want to look at this as there. Now, I kind of, my restudying of this passage, I, I kind of, in my own mind, looked at this. They're in the upper room. And uh, he, Jesus has drawn together uh, without being there, but divinely he, the, the disciples have been come back together after the resurrection, right? And this is the, uh, the evening of the, of the uh, verse 19, the evening of chapter 20, not page 906, not 960. Uh, the, on the evening, this is the evening of the resurrection, okay? And the disciples had gathering. And I kind of picture them in a, 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 an instruction, a meeting that Jesus is sharing with them. He is all along, he, is, he, is, he has been with his, uh, the 12 chosen disciples out and lived with them in a special way. But al- along with that were others that followed. We know there were women and other men that gathered and were followers of Jesus, but he put special attention to his apostles, those twelve, and in uh, poured into their life the testimony that would then become the life-giving force that God would bless and take and bring the saving good news to all the world. So they're back now in this setting and kind of being in an instructions. Uh, that how they, their, wit, their witnesses would be the means by which the world geographically blew their... They, they knew what they were, Jesus was saying to them. They would have quit there on the spot, turned in their, their disciple card and said, that's impossible. They almost did, but Jesus is instructing them now and gave them some things that would strengthen them, that will strengthen us also as we are encouraged to understand the power of our personal testimony and what God has meant it to be and do in continuing what the disciples were called to do, and that is take the gospel to the ends of the world. Listen, there's a future ahead of us we don't know. But the testimony that we bear today is affecting and will affect the world to come. Geographically, we are seeing uh, the, the gospel spread. But there's still places that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We still can be a part of that. And we are as a church. As we give our tithes and offerings, we are supporting missions. We are doing missions ourselves as a church. And we're doing, trying to reach out to our community. We're still a part of that. And we only, because of God's empowering of our personal testimony. Such an incredible, I, almost, I hate to say the word simple, but it's not complex. It's the personal testimony of the believer that has changed the world, that has brought Jesus to the world geographically but also linear in a time way in the future. We still today, you and I, are believers because of testimony of people who believed without seeing. And you and I are now, by the power of God and our personal testimony, witnesses to that life-changing event and now are being called out, called on, being privileged 
to continue that right on to the time till Jesus comes back. So we're looking at that. And uh, we're going to look at the, um, the, 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 we are understand that uh, as they gathered in, in chapter 20, verse 19, on the evening of the first day, they were gathered. This was a first meeting. And now, uh, and then later, the verses we read today was a second meeting. Because the two disciples are miss, missing in that first, uh, in that first uh, meeting of the disciples. And that's what we kind of touched on. And uh, I want to, to just draw a few things in the background way that I think will help us come to uh, an important understanding of the, this second meeting where Thomas was there. Thomas, the, what do you think of when you think of Thomas? Doubter. He wasn't in this first meeting. He kind of missed church. Uh, I've heard, heard, read one guy said that first meeting of Jesus' disciples after the resurrection, uh, Thomas wasn't there, but he was at the second. But something was done very important. That even had a divine timing that I think we need to hear today. So let's just look at a few things. On the first day of the week, I, you know, I, I kind of brought that out last week, and I, want, I mean the last time I preached this message. But on the first day of the week, just again, verse 19, we're kind of building again a base on which to, to look at that second meeting where Thomas was at, where, where Jesus will impact us about the power of, of God using our testimony, the testimony of his followers, would be the way the gospel be spread geographically in linear of time throughout the world. We're going to build a base for that. First, the first day of the week. Uh, that was no small thing to put in the Bible. Listen, we know, we, you, you are, uh, know that the, the day of worship for the Jewish people at that time was on Saturday, the Sabbath, right? And it, it was co to commemorate the, the finished work of God on, of creation. And he rested on that day. And, and so that was a sacred day and should have been. And it was to commemorate. We just read here that in, in our verses today that God is the creator of all things. Nothing is too hard for you. By your great power and your stretched out arms, you created the heavens and the earth. And so it is no wonder the first day of the week. It, it, to commemorate that rest, they rested. It became a very important part. But the early disciples, at, at, after the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the first day of the week, which is Sunday for us, they began to set apart that day for worship. Because to commemorate the finished work of the new creation by faith in Jesus Christ. Sabbath, the old Sabbath, the finished, God rested when he created. The New Testament, our Sunday, the first day of the week, we gather to worship the God who through Jesus Christ finished. His, he uh, brought us to uh, redemption through his death and resurrection and we now commemorate that finished work of the new creation that we have by faith in Jesus Christ that's no small thing and so when we come to worship we worship that finished work of Jesus Christ that brings us to God 
and, and fills our lives with the, <coughs> the faith that we need that is necessary to know and fellowship with God. On the evening means that, that um, that's the evening of the resurrection. It said on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, that evening, that's kind of important too. Uh, chapter uh, 20, verse 1, if you look over in verse 1, it tells us that day, the resurrection day started very early for Mary Magdalene. She came to the tomb. Remember that? It started very early. And so she came to see, uh, to, to prepare Jesus' body, and it wasn't there. And there began the testimony of the risen Lord. It began early that day. And, uh, but by verse 19, where we're reading, that the evening of the day, Jesus had already physically appeared Four times to his follower. First, Mary Magdalene in John 20. Uh, <clears throat> we just read that, Mary Magdalene. And then also to another group of women. You read in Matthew, there was another group of women that seemed to cross paths with Mary Magdalene. And then Jesus met two men on the road uh, of Emmaus and testified and just disappeared in front of their eyes. And then we told in Luke 29, verse 34, that Jesus also made an appearance on that resurrection day to Peter. So they've already heard, and, and each one of these, we're told in the Scriptures, came back and gave testimony to what they had seen to the, 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 the disciples. There, including the, ten, the, 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 11, the 11 disciples, that uh, were still there. Judas was not there because he had taken his own life as he had betrayed Jesus and came to his final end in, in, uh, by, by taking his own life. But they had come back four times, the disciples, all that the followers of Jesus at that time, they included the ten, the eleven, including Thomas and those that gathered, had heard four times. At this point, though, uh, so we come to them now in verse 19 and, and of, of 20, and the disciples are back in the upper room. Likely they're meeting now. This is resurrection day on the evening. They've heard four times that Jesus has appeared to his disciples, and they're upstairs in the evening, it says, and more than likely it's that upper room where Jesus had celebrated the, the, the Last Supper with them and made such wonderful promises behind locked doors. So at this point, we see that their faith was not sufficient for the task of being Jesus' messenger to the world, right? I mean, they're behind locked doors. They're, they're in fear. They're locked in. And uh, Jesus said, you're going to be your personal testimony is going to be the means by which the world, both geographically and linear in time, will hear the gospel, the mighty power of God. Well, we see their, their faith was not sufficient at this moment to do that. Thomas isn't there in this first account, this encounter uh, of, of the disciples. We read that. Uh, verse 24 of chapter 20 there. Now we're on page 907 if you're looking. And Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them 
when Jesus came. So he wasn't in this first meeting. But uh, Jesus meeting with his disciples, that first group there, now ten because uh, Thomas is not there. Probably others are gathered. We read from the other accounts that those others who bore witness, the women at the tomb, the, the people of Damascus, were gathered now in this upper room behind these locked doors. And Jesus is meeting with his, these disciples, and he just appears, he appears to them. And uh, we see that, 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 that Jesus is dealing with these disciples in a way that will encourage and, 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 and give them the understanding of the importance of their personal testimony. And then when it comes to the second meeting, when Thomas is there, Jesus really brings to light and says very clearly that mine and your personal testimony used by the power of God is his design that salvation might be heard and received and God glorified and honored. The per- That's a powerful thing. And I think sometimes we maybe don't place the value that God has on our personal testimony as believers for the kingdom of God uh, to uh, reach all that it's meant to reach in this until the time that Jesus comes back. And Jesus dealt with their, in, and we're going to see in that second, uh, even really both of these two meetings together, that I think it was obviously a divine timing that Thomas wasn't there and there was a second meeting. But both of these meetings allowed Jesus to deal with their insufficient faith in a way that helped them to see and embrace the, the purpose of speaking, teaching, preaching the good news of Jesus that he has raised from the dead and completed the work of God for salvation. And it would, that it would be empowered by Jesus to accomplish the plan of the Father. So this is, I see this upper, this, this Easter evening meeting, uh, this first one, and then later in the week, uh, the next week with Thomas, is a time of, of instructing and informing his disciples in a way that they could embrace their purpose for speaking, teaching, and preaching the gospel of the risen Lord, and how important their personal testimony was. So quickly look at a few things. The first meeting with the disciples after the resurrection, Jesus gave the, those gathered there who had gathered a short version, a snippet of the coming role and purpose for them in God's uh, greater plan. And, you know, we need to remember that, that God has a greater plan that he's working on. He has a, a timeline. He has a, a plan and a purpose that he is at work on. In our lives, that's, that's true. And I, man, I stand on that so much. It's so important that we understand the sovereignty of God touches our lives individually. And we can count on that and, and live on that daily. That, that life's not random for you, you and I as believers, but God's sovereignty is governing our lives. But it's also important to understand 
that as a believer, a greater, a member of the greater body of Christ, we also are working under the sovereign God and His uh, uh, um, plan that He is carrying out through us. We are the privilege of doing that. And that as we work in ministries and as we follow His leading, we are in step with His sovereignty to complete a plan that is going to be completed. And we have the joy of being a part of that. So he, gave, he, he worked with the disciples doing that. He's given them a snippet, I think, so that they could embrace it. Because it's overwhelming, right? It's overwhelming. And, and, and they really don't come to a final... God, Jesus gives them a snippet. We're going to look at that. But it's not until the coming of, at Pentecost that it begins really to come. It's like a jigsaw puzzle, sort of. You know, all illustrations fall apart. But the disciples are being brought together to see something that's too big for them to see at the moment. So God gives them some snippets that's going to help them come to that place where at Pentecost it begins really to, to open up. And then as their faith is informed by God's Word, the church is birthed. That was something that they couldn't see in the future. They couldn't manage that. But as their informed faith through God's word, the church was born. And as the church was born in the, you know, the Gentile church coming, the Gentile people coming in the church was something that they couldn't see. Uh, we were called, so they hear the, 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 the go ye therefore into all the world. They didn't know at that time that included Gentiles too. The unbelievers that they thought would never hear the gospel would become a part of the sovereign work of God and the body of Christ would be larger than they could ever imagine to do a task that was greater than they could do. So he's given them some uh, snippets, I call it, some thumbnails, if you were to say, uh, prints of that to encourage them. Not all at once, because they would, like you and I, and I think sometimes we get discouraged. Maybe we look at beyond God and His plan for us right now. And we get overwhelmed. I know in the world we live in today, the trouble is so bad. We get so uh, caught up in, in the world around us that we might sense that, what's my, what's my personal testimony going to do? What? What's my personal testimony got to do with it? How is it going to work? But God says through this passage in Jesus that it is very important. Jesus comes to the, first of all, he says in verse, uh, nine, <clears throat> verse 20, he, he, verse 19, I'm sorry, the end of verse 19, he shows up in that first meeting. Thomas is not there, but he's giving them snip, snippets about the importance of the purple faith. He speaks to him, he says, peace. And he says it twice. He says, peace be unto you. He says it in verse 19 and verse 21. Peace two times. Anytime there's a repetition, it's a tool the writers of Scripture use to emphasize. What is Jesus emphasizing here? That the peace of God has been, been delivered now as promised. By Jesus. Jesus said, I will give you my peace. Not the peace that the world gives you that is dependent on circumstances. But I want to give you something the world can't give you. Peace with God. But he comes before them now and he says, 
peace. He says, peace with God. You're no longer enemies. As believers, as followers of mine, you are no longer enemies. You are no longer a debtor in prison and you can't pay the debt you owe. It has been paid. Peace. That is a peace that is real and must be a part of our personal testimony. Do you know that peace? Do you have that peace? You're right with God. It's a part of the... the we need to understand that so that our testimony would be powerful. He said it the second time. Peace, so that the peace of God could, would rule your mind and heart. It's the peace that comes to the new nature of the, of, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is peace, is it not? And Jesus said, this peace, knowing that you're right with God and that you're living under the sovereignty of God, you're not just living at random and you're a part of a church that's not just random, but we have a call of God on our lives and we're working under sovereignty. We have peace that guards our minds and our hearts to follow Him and be uh, the people and to have the, the personal testimony that is needed for the gospel. Not needed. It is God's design. I, I, I keep flat, you know, switching back. It is God. Our personal testimony is a sovereign desire of God that we have that. And that will be the means by which, empowered by the Holy Spirit, will bring people to faith. We'll bring people to faith. Those that faith is given to. So, he says that. He says the new nature, that peace. He, then he shows them his, um, his, his, his hands in his side. He says, he says peace to them. <clears throat> and then a second time. But Jesus said to them again, peace be with you in verse 21. And when he had said this, he breathed. Well, he, uh, no, let me back up here. He said peace, verse 20. He said, to, uh, he said this and showed them his hands and his side. So what, you know, what was he looking at there? This, he showed them his hands and side. You know, they didn't ask at this point. Later, Thomas does. He, um, he, he had demanded it. They didn't, but Jesus showed them his, his hands and his side. And he said, you know, here I am. This is really me. To assure them. That by the by the the presence of his resurrected body, that God had ordained as sacred and unchanging, all of all <clears throat> unchanging all of the promises for all time that he had taught all things about the Father would remit was the truth and could be counted on. So. His body represented, yes, you were with me. You, you heard me teach. You heard me preach. You saw the resurrection says that God had ordained as sacred and unchanging for all persons, for all times, all that Jesus had taught about the Father was true and, could, and was to be counted on, testified and shared. Look at Jesus says, in uh, John 14, we don't have, uh, we don't have a, um, slides for that, but I'll tell you what page it is, and I'll try to get it right. Eight, 892. 892. 
John chapter chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says some very powerful words. And, and, and the resurrected body was to say, was to prove that every Jesus had, God had ordained sacred everything Jesus said. Like, for example, look at 14 on page 892, John 14, um, uh, verse 30, 36. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Powerful words, is it not? And then in, in verse, um, in, 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 then in verse, uh, let's look at verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He's preparing his disciples. God had ordained these things to be as true and unchanging. And then verse 40, there in chapter, in chapter 6, I'm sorry, page 892 is chapter 6. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Man, listen to that. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the day. But notice in verse 36, going back up there at 636, page 892. Look who Jesus was talking to. But, Jesus, but I said to you that you have seen me, yet do not believe. Have seen me. Listen, sight doesn't always produce faith. What are we learning here? Faith is a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. Seeing is not always believing. He just said these things. Jesus is standing, you remember, and, and, and he said, God has ordained these things to be true, these things we just read. But the people back in the early part of the ministry had seen him but not believed. Seeing is not always believing, is it? Believing is a work of God. In our lives, when we uh, open, he calls our name, and we respond to the saving grace of his Son. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son believes in him and shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus said this to those who did not believe. Faith is a gift from God. Listen, in the next, uh, the next meeting, Thomas finally comes to this testimony and says, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Listen, Thomas's eyes caused him to believe Jesus was alive. He saw him. Jesus said, Touch me. He, he invited him to, 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 to prove, you know, use his fragile, failing proof of truth was touch and feel. But he didn't do it. Thomas's eyes caused him to believe Jesus was alive. He couldn't deny that. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit brought faith to his heart spiritually where he could say about the control center of his life, my Lord and my God. That was not a sight thing. 
That was a work of God, a gift of God. And his life was then changed. You know, Thomas gave, he's the doubter, but we should remember him as the one who gave one of the most divine testimonies of the divinity, the greatest testimony of Jesus' divinity. My Lord and my God are the, 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 the holy personal names of God. And, and this Jewish man now has said, you are both God and Lord. You and the Father are one, just like you said. And I believe that's a work of faith that the Holy Spirit produces. The eyes can do some things for faith, but it will not bring it to the control center of our life where, we, where salvation comes into our life. The disciples came with insufficient faith. Jesus is preparing them with snippets. And I'm going to have to snip my sermon some because I want to share. I, I always think I never have enough and it's always way too much. This sermon, this, this, this text really blessed me. So Jesus is preparing them. I want to get to quickly to, to Thomas. And, and, and so he talks about the Holy Spirit there. He breathes on them, indicating that their work would not be their work only, but their personal testimony would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of the sovereign God to glorify Jesus. And so he mentions the, he mentions the Holy Spirit there, doesn't he? And he talks about their being able, the confidence they would have to pronounce sin. What is sin? What is uh, forgiveness? And, and, and they, they, were, they were blessed. He says, I believe the disciples are encouraged there. You will be given authority to, have, to disperse your informed faith about what, who God is and, and what forgiveness is and what sin. And God will use that, that informed faith of your testimony to, to change the world. Now, at the second meeting, disciples with Jesus, it almost seems like it was just specially called, right, for Peter. I mean, for Thomas, because Jesus, he, go, he comes in and he says again, he says, um, uh, peace be with you. Eight days later. But you read earlier, I'm not going to read it again. Peter, Peter came to the second meeting already disgruntled. He said, I won't believe unless I can, I can touch the, the marks in his hands and place my finger on those nail those scars and placed my hand into his side so Peter came already uh, unbelieving with an insufficient faith to be the testimony Thomas declared his disbelief in, uh, in, 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 their, in his meeting with disciples even though they had told him see Thomas went look at the eight days Thomas went on eight days upset we don't know we don't know why he wasn't there we don't know some say he was melancholy he might have been suffering from grief he might have been suffering from disappointment jesus had let him down maybe even embarrassment man you know have you it's like somebody had invested all their money in a, a financial advisor and then they took off and you just you're ashamed to even show your face Maybe he, we don't know, we don't know that exactly, but he wasn't there. And the result was that he limited his, 
his believing to sight and touch empirical evidence instead of believing the spoken words of persons that had already given him the witness of the risen Lord. In other words, he went eight days carrying whatever the reason, whether it was grief, disappointment, shame, he went eight days unnecessarily. He could have believed the report of the four that had seen Jesus and we'd be reading a different story. But by divine purposes, we're reading now where Jesus sets Thomas's faith right. He says, he says, Thomas, here's my hands and my feet. Do you want to, here they are. It, it, you, you're, it amazed me how we put so, you know, boy, seeing is believing. Jesus says, I want you to know something that's more powerful than that. I mean, we are so limited. This is a test of truth. Touching and feeling. Jesus says, Thomas, and to the other disciples there, there's something so much greater, so much larger. I've come from heaven I've seen, I know eternity from beginning to back. And you want to prove this by touch? There's something greater than that. How, how much t- empirical evidence would it take for you and I to come, a remaining man and woman, to say, I'm a sinner before the living God, and believe it and make a change? How much touching how much seeing will bring that? That's not how faith, saving faith comes. And, and, and Jesus is saying, your personal testimony will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring them beyond sight and touch to something even more greater. It's called eternal. It's another dimension. Men, women in that room, you are my disciples. Your personal testimony will take it to the ends of the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It will bring men and women to faith in something they can't see. That is more powerful than the limited evidences of touch and feel. Look at that powerful testimony. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hands and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas's response was, my Lord and my God. Did Thomas touch? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, because in this next statement, Jesus doesn't mention him touching. I think the Holy Spirit had done his work and brought that faith into the inner core of Thomas's life. And he had something greater than touch and feel. He had faith of God. God had given him faith to believe in something he could not see, but was very real. He says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's where we stand today. Don't be like Thomas. He waited eight days. How long have you waited? 
to accept the face of the, of the testimony that you have heard about the risen Lord Jesus Christ? Are you walking around with this load of disbelief? Don't wait that long. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe the testimony of a faith-informed faith. Listen, I'm not saying that faith is, is blind faith. It's not that. Faith is informed faith by the Word of God. It's real. And it goes beyond anything you and I can touch and feel and see. But it's real. Don't wait. Don't wait. Your personal testimony is important. Don't belittle in your mind how, uh, in your mind and your heart, how Jesus can use your personal testimony. Share it. Share it. Also, I, I want to say, don't, don't leave out or minimize, minimize or, 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 spirit, or dumb down the spiritual truth of your testimony. Talk about, it's spiritual. It's not something you see and you touch. Yet, you know, sometimes we, wait, we hesitate, especially to people like Thomas. Well, I can't see it and I can't touch it. Don't dumb down. I'm going to use that word. I hope nobody's offended. But don't dumb down the spiritual truth of your testimony. It is spiritual. It is real. It is of God. There is a God. Don't dumb it down. Now, Learn how to share your faith in a way that you can speak to some of these spiritual. Let your faith be informed. Be students of the Word. Be informed. The Holy Spirit will help you do it. But don't dumb it down. It is a spiritual event. And, and, and if a person is demanding sight and seed, they won't come to faith. But if the God's at work in their heart like, like Thomas, God will give them faith in that spiritual. Don't dumb it down. Speak the word of God. Now, spiritual words are not it. But spiritual truth spoken by believers used by the Holy Spirit. It's not the spiritual word that makes the testimony powerful. It's the truth, the spiritual truth spoken by God's people used by the Holy Spirit that changes and gives faith, saving faith. Don't belittle your testimony. It's, it's powerful. I'm going to close with this. Jesus said, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those in 2023 who Believe who have not seen yet believe. That word blessed is the is the um, beatitude of Jesus it says those that have favor with God. Your testimony, empowered by the Holy Spirit, has the power to bring people into favor with God. God's called us to be his witnesses. Let's be that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray now that as we worship you, 
And our eyes have been opened by your grace and mercy, giving us a faith to see things we couldn't see on our own and understand. You've given us a faith and you continue to inform that faith through discipleship and study. Oh, Father, give us a hunger as we've uh, sang today. Give us new hearts, oh God, that continues to desire to inform our faith that we, Father, might also be a part of your good news continuing to be told and changing the lives of those who've not seen but yet believe on the testimony of the witnesses, the witness we have. In Christ's name we pray. Let's stand up, men, as we're going to close out with a, a, a time of reflection, a time of invitation.